Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy! Thank you, everyone, for coming out tonight. Um, what are you doing up here? What's going on? I am so thrilled to be talking to my brother about Silver Screen Fiend. Um, can I take this thing off? Because I just, I like to work the crowd, you know? I don't like to be. But um, this is such an amazing book, and we are so, I've read it like three times, and we're all so proud of him for having written it. Um, what? I'm getting to you. I'm getting to you. Um, I'm going to ask Pat a few questions, then I'll have him read from the book a little bit, then we'll take questions from all of you guys. So, without further ado, Alice, would you like to uh, introduce the man of the hour, please? Into the mic. Just just talking to the mic. Oh, it's not on. There you go. Uh, (laughs) I know you guys all know this book, but this is my dad's book. Talking to the, yeah, just introduce Pat and introduce Daddy. Say, here it comes, Daddy. This is Eddie's book. Oh, God. This was so much better in rehearsal. I'm sorry. This is... Please welcome Patton Oswalt. Patton, come on down. Come on down. He lost the Grammy last night to Weird Al Yankovic, but he's still here tonight, folks. That's professionalism, okay? Grammy losing artist... Patton Oswalt. <laughs> and thanks for coming out, everyone. That's, that's, that's our show. That's, oh, yep, that was it. That was uh, walk down in my walk contract. Out. I'm descending the stairs. That's it. <laughs> and I'm out. Thank you so much. Thanks, What's Alice. What are you going to do now? Are you going to hang here? Oh, dear. This is going to be fun. It's turning into a Kathy Lee Gifford thing. Why don't you... Come here. I don't want to exploit my daughter that badly. Why don't you... Wait a second. Wait a second. Wow. It's like an animal segment on the old Tonight Show. Hang on. Oh, what's this dripping down my shoulder, uh, Patton? Alice, come here. Go see Mommy. Like Jay Leno up here. Wow. Jesus. I'm sorry. Okay. There he goes. Go over to see. And now the uh, music of Reba McIntyre. Yeah, exactly. Jesus Christ. Um, Oh, Oh, now she's got the fever. Oh, boy. Take her to the comedy store, have her do a set. (laughs) (laughs) Quick drop in. I got a. uh, I got a. a crown on my upper tooth today, uh, the uh, aftermath of a root canal. So I'm on some very nice Tylenol 3 with codeine. You like that? So mm-hmm. there could be some startling revelations this evening. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. What was your inspiration? Oh, wow. The, uh... Please don't <laughs> please don't play with perspective. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't all start leaning off to the side or anything like that. That's going to freak me out. Patton, this yes. is um, your this is your second book. Uh, this book seems much more 
personal, introspective. Could you sound less sincere? Literally, you sound. <laughs> this is this is you, stuff we uh, talked you, you about are, at House of Pies a half hour ago, and we're do, just you know. You chose the daytime. You chose the late night infomercial uh, inflection. I watched in the voice. twenty episodes of James Lipton to get yeah, this you, cadence. Okay, just please go along with me. Okay. Bo- All right. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Um, like, was this book more difficult to write than your first one, Zombie? Because it, it, it talks about your addiction to film and. This okay. It was easier to write because I had written the first book. Like in other words, I had gotten the act of writing a book behind me, so I knew that I could write a book. I didn't when I wrote the first one. I had no idea. I had said, "Yeah, sure, I'll write a book." I, they had approached yeah. me, um, but then I had I had some friends who had had contracts to write books, and they just didn't finish them. There's like I didn't know it was so hard, and so um, so that part was easy. The writing it, the the oh, I got to complete a book. I could do that, but the um, the writing at all memoir. There wasn't yeah. any like clever, clever postmodern uh, kind of comedy stuff to fall back on. It was all just this is my point of view. This is what I went through. That made me really nervous because there was that. D- does anyone want to hear what I have to say? Uh, you know, I don't. I, I don't know if it, well, like was this in you for a long time to get this out? This whole addiction thing to film you had. If you haven't read the book yet, it's all about his. He went through this decade long period where he was obsessed. With going to movies. Yeah. Uh, you know. Well, it was something that really, it always kind of gnawed at me and stayed yeah. in my head for years of, you know, I did some pretty kind of, not not terrible things, but some really kind of bad, damagey personal stuff because mm-hmm. I was way more focused on, oh, I got to go see a movie rather than go engage with another person or I got to go check this movie off in my list of movies I need to see rather than deal with this aspect of my personality or my career. So, so it, But it took a few years of you know living a life and yeah. you know getting married and becoming a dad and then when, looking back on the person that I was during this time could not have handled raising her this little munchkin all. yeah so um <laughs> I, I, I feel awful i feel like i've brought a prop like this is the <laughs> look this this is this is in no way a kurosawa a film festival but it's close <laughs> isn't that right <laughs> gentlemen it's <in> light, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so there was that you know how did i i just went back and wanted to look at how did i pull myself out of being such a basically a non-person. I just was not a... I was a... I forgot who said this phrase, but I think at the time I was becoming a really good comedian. I was becoming an okay writer, but I was a D-minus human being. Wow. And, and I know a lot of... And, and we all know people like that who are A-plus at their professions or their art, but they are D-minus at being people. And, wow. and And I did... And I couldn't sustain it, so I wanted to look back and go, okay, what... How did I stay in there for so long? Well, to give these people perspective, what's the what's the most amount of films you've ever seen in one year? In um, one year, just in theaters, I saw 261 films. That's right. just in theaters. That's not counting watching them on TV, watching DVDs. Uh, that was just going to theaters and um, you know and wow. checking that's them insane. off and making lists and uh, it was yeah it was that's <laughs> but you went oh. to not only these great like uh, classic films at the New Beverly or the New Art you would yeah. go to the new stuff like oh. Freddie Got Fingered and oh, you know boy. that's a weird juxtaposition how, how do you don't do that? remember that title yeah I um, <laughs> I went to uh, yeah I would go to see The Seventh Seal and then on the same night I would go to the uh, Beverly Connection 8 and go see uh, Val Kilmer in The Saint or I'd go see wow. Judge Dredd. Or, okay, one when I went and saw The Saint, 
it, it, again, it's a Friday night in the late 90s. I'm young. I'm still relatively good looking. I, I'm well, living in L.A. I'm on a TV show. I could be out doing things. Yeah. And I'm, I'm spending my Friday night because it's a new movie. i got to go see The Saint. And I remember it was me and seven other people. And, and I, it didn't even dawn on me then, like, looking back, I'm like, that is just sad. Like, <laughs> like, if you had, like, if you could do a montage all around the city that evening, you would have seen, you know, like, some up-and-coming band doing a show, an amazing party happening, um, comedians I know doing sets. And then you cut to me inside the Beverly Connection 8, me <laughs> with seven other lonely people just watching The Saint at like 7.30 just kind of going this isn't that good it's weird it's very strange and then I just remember when I was leaving there you know there's those, there, there used to be those long halls you would come out of the the multiplex and there was this gigantic he must have been like 6 foot 5 black guy just huge and wow. I don't know if he was on drugs or something, but everyone that walked by him, he would go, it's a comic book come to life. <laughs> he would scream at everyone, leaving the saint, and I just kept thinking, this is either the worst marketing technique that, because I know that Robert Evans produced the saint, so I, yeah. I was like, maybe him in some kind of cocaine fever, he was like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to hire, we're going to get the biggest black guy we could find. We're going to have him stand outside the theater and remind people that it's a comic book come to life. And that's going to start a movement. They're not going to understand what it's about, but they'll each tell two friends. And let me tell you something, baby. Next week, we'll be on top of the box office. And then he passed out or something like that. So One of my, uh, my, my, my favorite things about this book is that not only do you have a photographic memory of every film you saw, believe me, he writes about all of them, but also you, you mentioned that you, ha- you know details about every experience of going to films. Like, yeah. Not only do you remember going to see Ace in the Hole at the New Beverly, you n- remember that you got a medium popcorn. Yeah. You remember that. You, uh, because you, know, you remember they, everything that about that, which is amazing. Smell, I do the same thing. Well, taste and smell are really good like signposts for memory, and for some reason I can remember... Yeah. Very clearly going into that lobby and getting a medium popcorn, no salt, red vines, and Sprite. And those three tastes I've always associated with Kirk Douglas. With seeing, yeah, you know, Kirk Douglas. Yeah. I, I imagine that's what the man tastes like. <laughs> you think so? If I ever made out with him, that's what I would taste in my mind. So, Oh, I love when you mentioned uh, going to see, uh, um, oh my God, I can't think of that film. But with, with Peter Sellers comes out of Strange Love. And the first time he comes on stage, everyone in the theater applauds. Like that, nuts. Remember that, yeah. Because it was that, that great moment of, if you ever see a, Dr. Strangelove, he, he, his first shot, he's backing himself up in his wheelchair from the table and speaking. And when I saw it at the New Beverly, the entire theater just exploded because it was one of those, that's been that's a performance that's just been stolen from and imitated yeah. and done in lesser and lesser. And it was that moment of, oh, I'm actually back. I'm seeing the source of this thing. That's a big deal. It's like watching a, you know, it's like watching a Bo Diddley guitar solo, and in your mind you see all the people that stole. But you're yeah. like, oh, I'm actually at, I'm at the source of this. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's kind of amazing. It's memorable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That reminds me of. Remember when you and I saw um, the Godfather at the Chinese theater? They 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 had to come out again. That's on right. And there's a scene where you know Tom Hagen goes to California to negotiate with the producer, and there's this great shot of like the old Chinese theater from back in 1960 and the entire theater erupted in applause we're when they inside showed of that, that. Yeah. yeah it was, was like that well, that's weird. great that's great exactly we're, that's where we are inside of <laughs> yes i know you're and you're in the godfather that's right exactly yeah, yeah i'm in the godfather okay great this isn't the rocky horror picture just show guys just spaghetti calm factory. Down. this is exactly like they yeah. Yeah, yeah i went to see when they re-released greece the sing-along version okay. in the late 90s uh i went uh and saw it 
um, with a bunch of friends. You know, it was all like, let's just go see Greece, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and then halfway through, it was it was like all these very uh, you know unshaven alt comedian, alt musician guys, all kind of going, hopelessly. Oh, I know the words. Like we knew the words <laughs> to all these songs. Like how do I know all these words? Because that had burned itself into our heads when we were eight. Yeah. <laughs> so we're all going there. Are worse things I could do. You too. You know. Okay. So it was very strange. Well, for as cathartic as writing this stuff about your film addiction was, was it also, there's, yeah, there's, there's a great section on here when you, as a comedian, you come out from D.C., you go to the Holy City Zoo in San Francisco, yeah. and you write about the first time you perform at the Holy City Zoo, which is his famous club in San Francisco, and you didn't go too well. Well, didn't here's really what well. happened. It was, I had, and I think a lot of you have experienced this on different levels in whatever you've pursued, writing or acting or something. I had started doing comedy in 1988. I got pretty good at it. I did it for four years. So now in 1992, I've moved to San Francisco from the East Coast. And in my mind, I'm pretty good. I'm good (laughs) at what I do. I'm starting to headline. I'm this new gunslinger in town. I'm going to blow these people away. I've only got to do seven minutes at this iconic club called the Holy City Zoo, which is the launching pad of all these really, really... it It was a very important room if you're a comedian. So I go up. I've only got to do seven minutes. I do all my A stuff from the road. And it's it works on the road because, of course, it does. Because yeah. I'm in clubs like Sir Laughs-A-Lot. In, <laughs> literally, there was a club called Sir Laughs-A-Lot in Milwaukee, yeah. Wisconsin, doing this awful, hacky, awful, awful stuff. And um, I just ate it because the room was all comedians. In the room that night was Greg Proops, Margaret Cho, um, Jeremy Kramer, Lane Capatch, yeah. Greg Barrett. All these amazing uh, comedians, and all they were interested in was, are you pushing the envelope? Are you doing yeah. something new? And here I am. I had learned how to do, I had learned how to distinguish, I'm going to quote from the play Amadeus, I'd learned yeah. to be, be distinguished by people who didn't know how to distinguish. It was all just very easy hacks up. So I, then I went across the street to this restaurant called Taiwan, which is still there. Holy City Zoo is not. <laughs> um, and I sat with, and I ate fried rice, and I tore all the pages out of my notebook, and just had. And then I just wrote. It was May fifth. So I wrote May sixth, nineteen ninety two, on a top of a blank page, and just started writing new jokes. I was like, I can't do any of my but stuff. But comedians are like that. You guys remember the beatdowns you take on stage more than the successes. You have to. Cause you if have you didn't, to. If you didn't yeah. remember the beatdowns, you would have this completely uh, useless, false sense of your own indestructibility. I'm telling you, a comedian doesn't become a comedian until they are humiliated on stage. <laughs> I'm not saying I... I'm like going, oh, I can't wait for them to eat it really hard. But it is that thing of what – because you need to go through complete humiliation and wake up the next day and go, oh, the world didn't end. That didn't matter. And then you're free to do whatever you want. I remember I was talking to Brad Bird, and we were going off about the Star Wars movies and what we liked and what we didn't like in them. And I said, well, I loved – I, I'm one of the people that I really liked Return of the Jedi, except that once they get to the, the teddy bear planet, I'm just I'm done. Like, yeah. it, it, you know, <laughs> and he's like, oh, he goes, well, I had way more problems than that. And he said, and this ties back to being a comedian. He goes, at the end of Empire Strikes Back, um, uh, Luke Skywalker gets this psychic fax. My friends are in trouble, and he tells Yoda, I gotta go. I gotta help him. And Yoda goes, You gotta stay here. Don't do that. And he's like, No, you're wrong. I'm the hero. I'm gonna help. That's what a hero does. And he leaves, and he 
he completely fails. Not only does he get his ass kicked, his friends get in worse trouble because of him. He gets his hand cut off. Like, he couldn't be more less the hero at the end of that movie. And then at the beginning of Return of the Jedi, Brad was saying he's suddenly just this dark, totally cool, you know, like Neo from the Matrix type. Before there was Neo, he could just... And he's like, the movie should have started with Luke back in the swamp with his new robot hand. Eating saying, crow and just we'll like, just go and you know Yoda, you told me not to go, and I told <laughs> and, I, and I left, and uh, and I this happened. Now my friends are in worse trouble. I completely failed, and then Yoda would have gone. Now you're a Jedi, like now you've made it, yeah, because you've gotten past the humiliation. Now you're free to do it, and it's that kind of thing. So that was my. That was my uh, Cloud City of Bespin moment, the, uh, the Holy City Zoo. That's when I had my head cut off and fell down the shaft. I uh, was rescued by Lando Calrissian, who came. Alice, are you listening to all this? Are you getting all this? This is all good stuff. She's like, I have no father! <laughs> i got to ask you, because this whole thing t- is about all your film experience takes place in the New Beverly, mm-hmm. and it's now owned by Quentin Tarantino. Since this book has come out, has he read this book? Does he gotten any feedback? I don't know. I mean, I know that his assistant, I mean, he's he's shooting a movie, so yeah. he can't go, have you read my book, dude? You know, I, like, he, he, I'm very sensitive <laughs> but to... But he, he would really love this book, though. I'm curious. If I know he know. has a copy, but he'll okay. let me know when he's read it, curious. when he's read it. I just, you know, I, I, again, I'm just very sensitive to... Um, you know, when someone, when you know someone is working on something, I just don't bother them until they're done. Yeah. And you yeah. just don't want to pile anything else on the pile. So he's making a movie right now. I'm not going to. Yeah. Uh, okay. If you get a chance <laughs> during the four hour sleep you're getting a day, maybe uh, check out my book. I know you're doing this movie that put your whole heart and soul in, but check out my book. You know, while you're making. Put your movie. Tell you what. Take two days off filming, send everyone home, <laughs> read my book. And read a blog about it, please. Yeah. Hey. Um, uh, in, sp- in keeping with the spirit of films, I'm going to ask you a lightning round questions of oh all your favorite boy. stuff. Here we go. And then we'll do some Q&A. Uh, favorite Hammer film? Frank First of all, tell them what Hammer films are. Hammer films uh, in, in the 90s. I'll let you know what this is. In the yeah. uh, 60s and 70s, uh, Hammer Studios in Britain kind of revived horror movies, um, did you know, Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolfman movies. They just added a lot of blood and a lot of big British bosoms, and it was great, and everyone loved it, and it made stars of Christopher Lee. And They, had, they just have a certain look because they had no money, yeah. so they would kind of shoot around the same castle all the time. <laughs> like, hey, f- hey, Frankenstein's lab looks a lot like Dracula's castle. Yeah, don't worry about that. Um, but the best one of the lot is uh, called Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed. Oh, it's yeah. it's a genuinely great film. Beyond it yeah. being wow, a Frankenstein like movie, it's this Woo. really great movie about an obsessive sociopath who is it's it's weirdly it's a lot like the social network except um <laughs> except he's cutting people up and and restitching them into monsters but peter cushing should have gotten Somewhere an academy Mark award nomination it's um, amazing amazing favorite american international film oh boy Ooh, that's a tough one uh, american, Roger stuff, so. i know i know american international movie um oh uh death race 2000 oh, yeah yeah is, is and still really holds up it's really it funny it's and so kind funny. of in a very clumsy way uh anticipated a lot of uh, the social media reality yeah. show kind of stuff that's really? going on now favorite australian film well, I mean, the first thing I want to say is is Road Warrior. But Chopper, Chopper, Chop, yeah, Chopper, or Ooh. you know what? It's a tie between Chopper 
which is one of the best crime films ever made, and um, Pitnick and Hanging Rock, which is Ooh, okay. one of the most disturbing, like, yeah. oh, this movie's going to stay with you for a long time. <laughs> uh, favorite oh, and oh, actually, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, dear, here we go. It's a tie between Picnic and Hanging Rock and Wake and Fright. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, favorite stand-up film? Film about stand-up? No, it's just like, you know, Rich Pryor's Live in the Sentence. Oh, kind of it's uh, Rich Pryor Live in oh, Concert is the best stand-up film. Okay. That's the best it. one. Okay. Yeah. Scorsese film. Goodfellas. Polanski. Uh, Polanski. Oh. Ooh. I... Slightly edging out Rosemary's Baby is Chinatown. Really? Mm-hmm. I always just a little. You don't like Knife in the Water? I, 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 I like Knife in the Water, okay. but you know, okay. but Chinatown. I've watched. I, yeah. I've watched it like eighteen okay. times. It's okay. so good. Uh, favorite Bruce Dern film? Not Nebraska. Oh, not Nebraska. Um, I think he's amazing in a in a movie called uh, uh, The Driver. He plays this. Um, uh, he's a. Uh, kind of this mob boss crime figure him and ryan o'neill he's just fantastic wow um, well that's a real sad song <laughs> but sad songs ain't selling this year it's like oh he just oh, he's good in the laughing policeman too yeah he's good in he's that but that's more that. of a that's i consider that a math that's film. a math film yeah, yeah. I was, that was my next one. favorite math film that was the next one. Oh, math film oh charlie varick Okay. Yeah. Really? Even better than uh, taking a Pelham really? I know, but right. Charlie Verrick, right. because he's he has to outwit like every he's got to outwit Joe Don Baker and yeah, that's true. and like all these like big badasses, and he's just this kind of shoulder stoop chewing gum. Like I guess I gotta yeah. try to not get killed. I saw here, the right? you know, I, Yeah. I still have a soft spot for Bad News Bears. He's so good in that movie. Well, that movie is is more, so, so much one of the best sports films ever, especially yeah. about fathers and sons and parenting. It's incredible. I think I tweeted the other day, the world comes down to um, people who were raised by the Walter Matthau character in Bad News Bears and people who were raised by the Vic Morrow character in Bad News oh Bears. Oh, God, yeah. That's yeah. the world we live in. He's so. <laughs> tricky one. Uh, favorite M. Emmett Walsh film? Well, okay, first off, there's not really an M. Emmett Walsh movie. Performance. There's movies Bad he favorite shows M. Emmett up Walsh in. Performance. All right. Um, I think he's great in, huh? Blood Simple, yeah. Blood Simple, yeah. yeah I, know, I was going to say that, but you know what? He's amazing in a movie called Straight Time. Yeah. He is so... There's a scene where he gets... <laughs> Dustin Hoffman just tunes him up. He's, and, and it's so satisfying because he plays such a sleaze. And you're just like, yes, yes. good. <laughs> Somebody awful got their just desserts. Wow. Favorite uh, Burt Reynolds film? Uh, he made a lot of great films back then. He in really he back in the yeah. Of, yeah. I I still think um uh, the longest yard is amazing. Yeah. Um just for pure entertainment. Um uh the uh Smoking the Bandits, real. I just rewatched that. You should rewatch that sometime. There's got some weird passages in there where he and Sally Field are talking yeah. about Broadway musicals, and oh yeah, and he wears a lot of turquoise. And <laughs> no, um, there's a scene when he's negotiating his fee with Paul Williams and Pat McCormick. I don't know why I know this, but I was watching it on HDTV. <laughs> he is so so glaringly not wearing underwear and has the big 
biggest. So, uh, well, but you can't like if you watch it on HGTV, you're like, oh my god, it is the it is the like most glaring '70s camel toe. You're just like, whoa, no, no, I'm sorry, men, it's a moose knuckle. It's a um, most glaring moose '70s knuckle. moose knuckle you've ever seen. Uh, last question: um, right. if, if Silver Screen Fiend is ever adapted, who is going to play you? Who do you want to play you? Uh. I think I've said this before. I would love it if, if, if there was a really experimental filmmaker that would cast um, uh, like CCH Pounder as me, and nobody in the movie references that it's it, that that she's this amazing black female actress, and she's doing lines like, "Look, I know I'm just this fat nerd that likes movies, but uh, and everyone's just like, get, you know, get out of here!" You like they just never reference that. Wow. Yeah. Well, also because I just think she's such an amazing actress. I would just love to see her. Because she's one of those actors that it's like when she they would play the judge. No, she she like always plays the judge. When they would have like Ian McKellen read instructions on uh, how to change a flat tire. In this, like, sh- it, it, made, it made it amazing. Yeah. I, I almost bet she could do a scene where there's a monologue where she's arguing about what's wrong with the Star Wars prequels, <laughs> and she would just make it so compelling. <laughs> You'd be like, I gotta go re-see those movies. If she I, did the wow. Parson monologue, Parson Recreation monologue with Star Wars. Oh, she yeah. would be amazing. And she would kill that. You think she so? would. She yeah, would. That'd be a great they, people would forget that I ever did it if she did it. That'd be a great little one act play. Uh, That'd be amazing. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you about Lawrence Tierney, but in lieu of that, I'm going to have you read oh. this little section of the book. Okay. About your Lawrence Tierney ex- experience at the New Beverly. And then we'll take Is some questions. Is Alice still in the room? Because there's some spicy language in this. Okay. Well, Ooh. I'll just bleep it and you'll get it in context. Yeah. All right. This is when, um, yeah, I, I had gone into the, um, I know. Okay. Oh, here we go. I was watching Citizen Kane for what had to have been the 10th time so far. The first time I'd seen it was on a tiny TV screen in a college dorm room. Now... I was in a comfortably neglected, sad spring seat in the back row of the new Beverly, watching Orson Welles' debut, and in a way, swan song unfold. Citizen Kane is more panoramic than most widescreen movies in its literal and figurative depths. I was teasing out more of its riddles, the way people return again and again to Ulysses or The Rock 2. Not the movie, the... the, R.A. Rock right. Um, (laughs) Or The Night Cafe. So we were 15 minutes into the movie... Citizen Kane is structured in so many interdependent flashbacks that even now, having seen it close to 20 times, I couldn't tell you what was happening at that point in its story. All I know is I was wrapped. The theater and world around me were gone. I was watching Charles Foster Kane chew and bully his way to the top of a mountain he was about to go tumbling down the other side of. And he was going to drain so much love and patience and charity out of everyone he knew in the ascent that none of them would have the energy to run around the other side of that mountain to catch him when he plummeted. You know what's going to happen every single time you see it, but it's such a sweet ride. It's like body surfing a wave that you know is going to send you belly first into a brace of sand. Still, you can never resist the swell when you feel it rise. But there was noise behind me, a rumbling, human but maybe not human gurgle and bark. Someone was sitting down. 15 minutes into Citizen Kane and they were talking to no one out loud (laughs) damn it I turned around to shush whoever was pulling me out of well cinematic gravity it was Lawrence Tierney Reservoir Dogs Lawrence Tierney 
brawling, knife wound surviving, battling bruiser, t-shirted human tank Lawrence Tierney <laughs> sitting alone in the dark behind me watching Citizen Kane. I didn't shush him. <laughs> For about 15 minutes, he sat there talking to the screen as if he were just out of view to the other characters, admonishing Kane, don't clap for that squawking broad. She can't sing. Sit down, you chump. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jesus, what's he staring at? You gonna cry, fancy man? <laughs> he actually said, you're going to cry, fancy man. <laughs> it was the best DVD commentary I've ever heard. <laughs> Suddenly, there was a younger man behind me. His handler, I found out later from Sherman Torgan, the owner. A young kid who'd landed the exhausting, unenviable job <laughs> of attempting to guide a driverless tractor of a human being like Lawrence <laughs> Tierney. Through his remaining days. <laughs> Where's his book? <laughs> Larry, how long you been in here? We gotta go. Lawrence said, we do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're waiting. Lawrence stood up. He considered the screen for one last time. I never seen this sucker, he said. It's not half bad. <laughs> and then he was gone. This was a professional actor, a noir icon who'd end up with a more than 50-year career, and he'd never seen Citizen Kane. But the 15 out-of-context minutes he'd just watched, (laughs) after missing the first 15, weren't half bad. (laughs) Thank you, Pat. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, That's amazing. I really want Lawrence Tierney's handler to write a book, by the way. I think oh, that year. Oh, can you imagine that? Let's take some questions from the mm-hmm. audience. Do you guys want to just raise your hand and it won't take you one at a time? Sir? Um, I was just leafing through just before you got down here. I wanted to know what the day was like when you saw Space Jam and then Once Upon a Time. Uh, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> what day was that? <laughs> um, I don't know. It's like 40 pages of this. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Um... I went and saw. Why did I go see Space Jam? I saw it at the at the God. Man's Chinese. It was a bunch of us that went. I honestly, I think it was a. How much um, time on all three were you on that day? I uh, yeah, and then I <laughs> met you to go see the Once Upon a Time in the West. Yes, at we did. The New Beverly, um, and we had some. Um, we ingested some stuff. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. There, I yeah, have family. I'll in leave the it room. there. Yeah, <laughs> it was great, and. and um, uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in the West, uh, after ingesting some things, is hilarious. <laughs> That's all I will say. It's a great comedy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think Space Jam was so... It's a bizarre film from what I remember because it's so... Usually films try to be clever with the product placement. And that was one of the first ones where it was... Bla- like, the movie would constantly pull its own emergency brake on its momentum to sh- to plop a product down and go, huh? Like it was, it, it's it's kind of amazing that they, that, that ever. It's, it's 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 it literally it's it's more surreal than most art films because it's kind of not a movie. It's That's just so, a bunch of. It was like yeah. it was like somebody gave they're like okay um, you got to you got to pick nine things out of this uh, aisle at the grocery store and, and make a yeah. movie out of them i i was home one night and uh, adam sandler's blended was on hbo it's amazing i've never seen i'm not a big you know but it, the product placement is it's almost artistic the way they drop it in there it's 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 so well, it's artistic and, and it's yeah. anti art it's, it's so it's anti artistic like, yeah. it's like that scene that they did in Wayne's world where they're making fun yeah. of product placement except someone oh, saw God. that and went well that worked we should just do that throw it in there exactly we stop the film and talk about the product. <laughs> um, can we ask that question? 
Raise your hand. Yes. Sir. Uh, all right, you mentioned the Criterion Collection at one point, I think, in Amsterdam. Are you still collecting those? I don't collect them. I do watch them. I mean, I don't really have room to collect. I don't have the space to have DVDs. I just, I, I rented a house out in um, uh, Palm Springs, and there was a screening room in the house, and they have the entire, all they have is the Criterion Collection. So we were, like, pulling stuff off of the shelf yeah. and watching the, the conversation um, and, we yeah. watched the conversation you know jimbo yeah, and jimbo. uh friends of eddie Coyle. it was just Pretty amazing good. in this beautiful screening room you had a Great. you used to have a massive dvd collection a massive, it's all gone just, to uh, amoeba now you just yeah, them all to amoeba yeah. they just didn't have room for them anymore yeah. and and I, it just seems like we're moving towards this in 10 years it just um and I forgot who said this, but our culture is just going to turn to steam, and it's just going to just be up there. You can just kind of pluck it all down. So lugging <laughs> the actual medium around to watch something on, I think it's going to be kind yeah, of silly. You absolutely. can just be able to, oh, I'll yeah. just get it, and you know. Well, sir. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so most addictions have like a bottom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Film or oh yes, there was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what for me? What was sad was I didn't have, I didn't get the. I had a lot of little moments along the way that were just awful. Uh, making a a girl that I was going out with at the time walk back to her car alone at two in the morning because <laughs> we were an all night horror festival and I didn't want to miss the beginning of I Married a Monster from Outer Space. It was just like <laughs> that was my leaving my child in the car moment to go score heroin. Like that was that. Um, and then there was the moment when I almost missed a show in Seattle because I went to the Sanctuary Theater on top of Scarecrow Video to watch a At Midnight I Will Possess Your Soul yeah. and then tried and then I was a real I'm at this, and I couldn't get a cab, and I had to talk a stranger into driving me to Swanee's Club to get to my show on time. It was so sad. <laughs> but the real bottom for me was it wasn't seeing the Phantom Menace. It was <laughs> the and uh, which in, and by and I talk about this in the book. We're we're watching. He you went and saw it with me, yeah, and yeah. we're sitting there, and there is yet another scene in a Galactic Senate where they're arguing oh. over. An amendment to add to a trade bill, and uh, my brother said, "This is like watching C-SPAN, where everyone's wearing monster masks. Yeah. Uh, just, it just feels like they had a special fun day. Like Friday's Monster Mask Day. Exactly. Just put monster masks on, and we'll just film it. You know, just like going, what's? Did, did I? I bought a ticket for a Star Wars yeah. movie, but there is this. Yeah. Um, but it was the weeks afterwards where I realized, oh my god, I've been sitting in." with my friends just arguing over this movie that we hate for hours on end. <laughs> and that was his moment of all I'm doing is consuming. I'm not uploading anything in, into the world. So that was his bottom. Phantom that was Menace. my bottom. George Lucas. George Lucas. Ma'am. Um, what was the worst film that you've seen in the theater? Aside maybe from the Phantom <laughs> Oh, I think I know this, but go ahead. I was with you. Go ahead. Well, you, hang on. Where, where, no, no. <laughs> No, you know, that wasn't even the worst one, no. Really? Here's what the worst one was, and this is what's so sad about this movie. And again, it fascinates me. The worst movie I ever saw in a theater was The Wild Wild West. And here's why. Oh, wow. Because... Wow. But that movie's fascinating because they somehow... It's almost... It should get some kind of weird award for... They took... 
the most charming human being on the planet, Will Smith. Whether or not you like his movies, he's a guy who should just be a movie star. He should, and, and I've met him a couple times, and he's one of those people that you meet where there's just this radiance where you're just like, oh my god, like it's just this <laughs> advanced human being. Where you're like, hello, I'm sorry, you know, and um, so I'm sorry I'm even looking at you. I'm, I'm so sorry. And and they had all this money. They had these, you know, the best, the state-of-the-art special effects, and they made him and the idea of steampunk trains and a giant spider, all these, they made all these wonderful yeah. things hateful. And that's so amazing that they pulled that off. And I just remember seeing it because I went to see, I was at a, a Fourth of July party. It was on the Fourth of July, and once again, I left a party to go see a movie. Wow! wow. And wow. it was me, and it was it was in the valley. So it was me, and like eight other like valley skate rats sitting there. And you can you can tell they, they'd seen Men in Black, they'd seen Independence Day. I like Will Smith. Let's go see Will Smith. And even the sun blind, weeded out valley skate rats. Twenty minutes of the movie, were just going oh. Man, oh, there were these awful jokes where, like, they it it was all like, "Hey, kids, how about a night a night of racist and cripple jokes?" Yay! (laughs) So it was all these kids like uncomfortable, and I was like, "How have they pulled this? This is how they even pitched that thing? How did they pull? Yeah, and then the world. And after twenty minutes, a a lot of the kids and I ended up following them. They snuck out to go watch the um, South Park Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. <laughs> which I went and saw, and that gave me hope. Like, oh, this okay. is great. Someone made something. But it was just so weird to have those two movies across from each other in a theater at that time. It was just, I don't know, that was a that experience was really stunning yeah. to me. So. Somebody, else? Somebody else was holding your hand up over there, I thought. Any other oh, there we go. Oh, yeah. Sir, Joe. Hi, Hi Joe. Joe. Hi, Joe. Hi, Joe, and then you. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, long time <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Joe, I know who you are. What are you... <laughs> Why are you standing in the erotic section over there? Yes, I can. Oh, dear. Oh, Joe. Okay. <laughs> Joe, and I, that's how I met you. Okay. There was a movie at the New Beverly. This is when I saw anything they showed, I went and saw it. So one Sunday afternoon. No. Okay, yes. One Sunday afternoon, they showed a movie called The Deadly Cure. Uh, and The Deadly Cure was made as a movie. It's a local production. Made by a local, I believe he is a chiropractor and holistic healer. And on the west side. And, uh, and judo enthusiast. And it is a movie about how he takes on a... It's basically like his game of death. It's his, yeah. He made this movie. It's He's a chiropractor and a doctor, and he made this movie where he fights off this cabal of evil. I think they're like literally other doctors who also do kung fu. It is so... It's beyond... It's, Played by the, his co-workers. Yeah, it's all the people that work in his office. If you can find wow. this movie, I think it was the only time it was ever shown. And we, and so I'm sitting there, and then Joe and um, my girlfriend and my friend. Yes, yeah. we're sitting there, and we just can't. We're the only ones in the theater, so we're talking back to the screen because there's not. I mean, a there's long. There's just 
hours, not hours, but minutes of just ass-grinding silence where nothing is going on. And, and they just oh like, so you're just, we're doing stuff. And then we find out later, like, then we, like, we're laughing because it's so bad. And then we um, left, and then the, the, the um, Sherman was uh, in the lobby. He was like, you know, the guy who made that was standing in the back of the room. <laughs> oh, no. Like, oh, so Get a question? Oh, we question. were part of... Somebody's lowest point, and I always look back for that. That he's this kung fu guy, he's a doctor, and these four just kind of pudgy, like man, like it couldn't be worse. Oh, he had every no. right to just just quietly walk in and just kick all of our asses. So, the deadly cure. See if you can find it. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Good yes. Question. Yes, ma'am. Fortunately, he can fall back on that medical degree. Yeah. He, exactly. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask what. Uh, well, there was oh. another one that we saw. It, um, it was the movie Patch Adams. Yeah, we saw it. it was, we saw it on Christmas Day, nineteen ninety something, and uh, it was not. There was a time. Look, there was yeah, a time when yeah. a lot of us we would. There was a group of us we would purposely go to see a movie that we thought was going to be bad. So we would go see The Other Sister and um, <laughs> Patch Adams and a, a whole bunch the of us went and saw sister. Battlefield Earth. And um, just to like, oh my God, this is, just wow. experience. Yeah. So the, but then that's another thing in your 20s is let's go see something because this is going to be terrible. Yeah. And I think the thing that killed me for that was um, uh, was the remake of uh, was, was Battlefield Earth. I was just like, uncle, I, I can't. I give up. Do this anymore? It yeah, was just, I think mine was Pearl Harbor. When I saw Pearl Harbor with you, it was like we saw we went. No, you know, I can't, We I went can't and saw Pearl Harbor, at, and the only way we oh. got through it was like, let's pretend like we're the studio executives who okayed this movie. Yeah, yeah. And they're showing this to us at the fir- for the first time, and we just have to go. How do we cut? I this think after Pearl Harbor, I went on a, on a TCM binge for like three years. Yeah, so like was, you know, forget that oh horrible boy. experience. So mm. hey, one more question. Say anybody, anybody. Oh, oh, there's a there. bunch. Hang on. Well, well, two more questions. Well, yeah. you back there. Hi, yeah. Hi. Um, speaking of horrible movies, what's your opinion of The Room? The Room. Um, the Room is... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I take it we've all seen The is Room. Have here? we not? Is, is Tommy oh, was out here? Yeah. Let's it wouldn't surprise you. He just Let's popped up. Yeah. Yeah. Surprise! <laughs> oh he just like climbs down from the um, tree. <laughs> you know what The Room is? Oh my God, you know what The Room is? Hey, Joe. Yeah. The Room... Is the room is the deadly cure, but there was the internet to help it catch on. The internet wasn't what it was in '95. If the internet had been around the way it was when the room came out, the deadly cure would be at midnight screenings, and and he would be doing that weird because Tommy was so. I'm sorry, he made a straight up uh, drama. And I'm sure he did it using drug money or something. <laughs> I did a short. I did a short film on one of my DVDs. It's a little hidden thing. Yeah, where it's um, this guy like if you have money you need to launder, you hide. I'll make a movie with it, and then you can write it off. And I'm basically playing Tommy Wiseau in his like movies, like The Hallway, The Front Room. It's just all like just there's nothing going on. Um, and then when people started seeing it the way we watched The Deadly Cure, he was like, yeah, I meant it to be a, a meta comedy. Yeah, like, no, good save, Tommy. No, but, um, no, no. One last question, sir. Well, I, we'll, oh. we'll, two more really two quick. Two more, so we'll okay, be, yeah. two more, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're going to be the last question because I know who you're going to ask. Okay. okay, go ahead. Hi. When you think about 
to the guy being in the back of the auditorium, the deadly cure. Mm -hmm. Does it take turns being a great and a painful memory? Oh, yeah. Look, that's the thing about when you get older, a lot of your great memories will also have a lot of pain laced in them. Or at least you'll have the, like, up until about 10 years ago, that was just a great memory. We were there, and he's a guy. But as you get a little older, you're like, oh, no, that guy, he probably really got hurt. Wait a minute. Like, like, as you get older, you know, the more empathy, the more you realize other points of view, you're like, oh, yeah, that must have really stunk. I mean, but then again, that also helps you enjoy awful situations like watching the Wild Wild West yeah. because in your mind you're like, what was going through Will Smith's head? Like, they must have known halfway through, like, I've made a horrible mistake. How do we deal with it? You know, like, how do you, yeah. how do we make this fun? Were you with me at the went to the Orpheum that one Halloween and they showed Plan Nine from Outer Space? Yes. And Con, the guy who played uh, Conrad, that was, that was at the that was at the Cinerama Dome. And what's his name again? I forget his name. He plays the he plays the cop in Ed, in Ed he Wood. Plays, uh, I can't think of his name. Yeah, the guy that plays the he's cop consider, in he's Plan considered Nine. the Gil good a bad acting. But anyway, he was he was there live and he went up to present the uh, film and they said, do you want to do a Q&A and take some questions for him and nobody raised their hand and we just sort of st- st- stood there for like three minutes and, okay, show the movie. Because what can you ask? Way to guy? bum like, people yeah, yeah, out. Yeah. All right, good. That, that. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, How about that measles at Disneyland? Uh, you want to talk about that? Rough. <laughs> How about that, huh? Hi, over there. Hi. Okay, uh, oh, yeah, I know who that is. By the way, this yes. is Victor. Yeah. Victor runs the Vista, dresses up in front of one of the coolest theater owners. Theater, yeah. That's Victor. Victor. Awesome. One night, I remember I was walking, I was driving home, and there was some kind of thing, was some, there was some big crime had just happened, and you were in front of the Vista dressed as Batman, and you were there with Clue Gulliger, and I was going, I was thinking, the city is safe. We got there. They're out there. We're good. Victor's got his Batman costume on. Oh, okay. That's cool. So what's up, man? My question I have is that you have a lot of great stories to tell, obviously, yeah, I did. So my question to you is that if someone young that is looking after you and wants to redo what you did, do you think they're going to have the same experience? I hope. Here's the two things I hope. I hope they get the experience of going to, to movie theaters the way that I did, and to because you experience it, you experience what other people experience, and it broadens who you are as a person. I remember. I saw the English patient in the Vista. I had read nothing about it. And I remember I walked out. And first I said to you, I went, who's president now? Because that was so long. And then I said that right to you. And then also I remember in my mind, I was like, that, that movie is going to be a bomb. That was terrible. And then it wins a cat. I was like, what is happening? Yeah. Um, so like that experience. Um, so yeah, I hope they get that. Now, if that doesn't, if movie theaters horribly go away, which I hope doesn't happen, I hope somebody finds the art in watching like if someone finds an artistic way to watch movies streaming and bring people together while while they do it like maybe it's um wow what if maybe what if i started like live tweeting a movie that i was streaming hmm that might work. You think? But something like that, like something where it's... On Reddit, on True Film, they have like a, they have a death sort of thing. Oh, they do. They get People... together and watch like classic movies. And they oh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. talk about it at the same time. Yeah. Hmm. 
So, hmm. so you know, stop it. I know exactly. Yeah. That's the problem. If you have an yeah, option. Yeah. You can you can turn it off probably or turn it back on whenever you yeah. want it. Yeah. So you have an option. So. Well, you see, the thing about the thing about when you watch movies with people. You can't sit there and, and shout out stuff unless it's you know it's like Rocky Horror or The Room, but you can experience very weird unspoken things together. A movie when when something has become um, uh, archaic now or something is you know it has like th- there's the line in, in performance when James Fox looks at, at Mick Jagger and goes, "You're going to be really funny looking when you're 50," and, <laughs> and the crowd was like, "Oh yes, that's like yeah. you know those little moments are, are really Tell great." Casablanca story. Oh, one night, um, and it's in the book. I, I went and saw Casablanca for the 900th time at the New Beverly, and it was a Friday night. Another Friday night, and it was raining, and uh, we're all sitting in there. Which actually, it was pretty packed, and the movie's going, and we're loving it. And that scene when when Ilsa's about to get on the plane, and he's telling her like the the problems of, of three people, and right as he starts that speech, the film broke. Right at that moment. So first, yeah, that was the first reaction was, "What? Like how? Huh?" And then. In the dark, while they're trying to fix it up, and you could hear them up in the booth, everyone started laughing because I can't believe that broke at the perfect. And then we all spontaneously started whistling as time goes by together. Yeah. While we waited, it was so beautiful. Nice. And I've I, I've said this, and there's a documentary called uh, Out of Print where I say right now. Movies are in trouble, and we don't know what the next medium is going to be, but we're just whistling in the dark and waiting to see what the next thing is going to be. That's that's all we can do right now. So I think we'll end it there. Let's give a hand for Pat oh, Oswald. Well, that was beautiful. You. What a way to end it. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks for coming out, everyone. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget, you can listen to this and all our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.